Good morning. We're going to do things a little different here this morning. We're going to read the announcements before our service starts, and we're going to have some greeting time before our service starts. So I have several announcements I want to read to you today. The roses on the altar behind me are in honor of two couples who celebrate 50-plus years of marriage in our congregation. The one is for Doug and Linda Hosher, who are celebrating 51 years of marriage today. And the second one is for Larry and Karen Niemeyer, who will be celebrating 57 years of marriage also today. So congratulations to both couples. There are only three weeks left for Operation Christmas Child. Packed boxes, packed boxes need to return to the church by November 13th. Anyone who wants to go to the processing center the week of December 5th should see Sharon Colson for more information. That concludes my announcement today. Let's take a brief moment to greet each other, and then Sharon will start us with the prelude at that time. Okay? Good morning, and welcome to everybody that's gathered here in the sanctuary, as well as those listening to our service on radio and watching us on Facebook Live. Anyone who is able, would you please join, rise and join me in our call to worship this morning? This morning is taken from Psalm 1. Follow along with me. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. 
Whatever they do prospers. Not so for the wicked. They are like chaff that blows away in the wind. Therefore the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Please remain standing for opening praise songs. The battle belongs and 10,000 reasons.
Good morning. Is anybody awake? Good morning. Good morning. That's a little bit better. I think you're a little sleepy this morning, right? Okay, so I'm going on a trip, and I need your help because I don't know if I've packed everything that I need, okay? So I'm thinking I'm going on a beach vacation, um, and I have my bag with me here. So let's see. I have my phone so I can take pictures. That's good, right? See, I have <laughs> toiletries, need those, sandals, because going to the beach, obviously, a hairbrush, uh, let's see, a book, in case you, know, you want to read on the beach, that's the best place to read, my wallet, some money, right, and a sweatshirt, what else am I forgetting, am I forgetting something else, what am I forgetting? Clothes. Oh my goodness. Okay, I got to add that to my list. What else am I forgetting? I'm going to the beach. What might I need? Swimsuit, maybe a towel. Okay, well, I, I think I need to go home and repack this because there's not a lot of beach stuff in there, is there? So, can you, th- I, so you thought of all the stuff that I forgot, right? What kind of things do you take on vacation? Food. Food, yes. Always need snacks. Lots of snacks. Do what? Yep, yep. What else? Clothes, a water bottle. Does anybody try to stuff their bag full of toys? No. (laughs) Never? No? Well, I don't know about you, but I'm an overpacker. When I was your age, I would try to stuff as many toys as I could in my suitcase, and now I just fill my suitcase with a lot of other stuff. Um, But, you know, the Bible tells us that Jesus, when um, he sent 72 people out, he sent them out in pairs, and do you know what he told them to take? 
nothing. He said, go into other towns and take nothing with you. So, like, all this stuff that I just packed, Jesus would have said, no, leave that at home. Why do you think he did that? It's kind of weird. You're going into someone else's house. You might stay the night somewhere, and you have nothing. What do you think, Luke? Yeah, he doesn't want to lose him. I think also because we don't really need that stuff, right? Jesus is like, all you need is to go and share all about me with people. You don't need shoes. I'll provide for those. I'll provide what you need for all of that. He just told them to go and to tell people about him. You know, it kind of reminds me of Paul. Paul used to go and he traveled all around the world and did all these missionary journeys, right? And he would go into towns and he would tell people about Jesus. And, you know, when he told people about Jesus, some people would accept Jesus into their hearts, right? And start a whole new life with Jesus. And it was really exciting. And some people didn't. But but Paul was faithful to tell people about Jesus no matter what, because that's our job, right? Our job is to tell people about Jesus. Does it matter to, is it up to us how they respond? No, all we have to do is tell. And we leave the rest up to Jesus, right? So this week, I want to challenge you guys. You guys maybe have some friends or some family members that don't know about Jesus or haven't heard about Jesus. And what's your job? Tell people about Jesus, right? So that's what I want you to do. I want you to think of one person this week that you could tell about Jesus, okay? And then I don't want you to just think about it. I want you to actually do it, okay? So think about that person, pray about it, and then go and tell people about Jesus. And the rest is up to him. Whether they accept it or not is totally up to him, but at least you did your job. Hi. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these kids. Lord, I thank you that you just tell us to go and to tell people about you and leave the rest up to you. Lord, I pray this week that as we tell our friends and our family about you, that you would soften hearts and minds um, for people to accept you and to start a relationship with you. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all that you are and all that you do. Amen. Thanks, kids. Thanks, Pastor Tori. Kids, you guys can head back to your seats. I have a couple other announcements I want to share with you before we uh, collect the offering this morning. Um, after church today, uh, the United, uh, New Knoxville United Methodist Church Youth Group is doing a bake sale and car wash to raise money for their youth missions this coming up summer. Um, and there's actually going to be a table of baked goods right outside the parking lot door of our church this, after, this morning. So after the service today, if you've got a hankering for some brownies or something delicious like that for breakfast... Um, I invite you to, to head out the parking lot door. They're going to have a table set up there, um, and the proceeds for that bake sale are going to go to support their youth activities this coming up summer. I think it's a great way for us as, a, as a, the churches in the community to support one another and to encourage one another in what we're doing. So um, I want to invite you to, to participate in that. Also, next week, October 30th, Pastor Tori is going to be filling the pulpit for me. I'm excited to have her continue her series on the armor of God. So I want to invite you all to come next Sunday and hear um, about the shield of faith, correct? Right? Hear about how uh, we can use the shield of faith and what, what that means for us on, our, on a personal level. So thank you, Pastor Tori, for filling in next week. Looking forward to that. 
Um, and then also just want to make an announcement you saw in your bulletin. Uh, we are excited to have uh, Beth Butcher as our new choir director. Um, Consistory uh, approved her, her hiring this past week. We're very excited for that. Um, that also means that choir practice will be resuming again this week. So uh, vocal choir will meet at 7.30 p.m. on Wednesday night here in the sanctuary um, in all all choir members and additional choir members are welcome to join us. If you're interested in choir, this is a great time to check it out and, and test the waters. Um, we'd, we'd love to have you do that. So we're very much looking forward to that and having choir back a part of our services again. Um, with that being said, I want to invite the deacons to come forward. Our offering this morning is to support Wayne Lunsford with Wycliffe Bible Translators. Um, and so the offering will be to support them. And the praise team is going to be leading us in the song, Thy Word.
Before we go to the Lord in prayer, I just want to take a moment and remind you of the, the list of names that are in your bulletin every week, the prayers and concerns list. What a great opportunity for us as, as God's people, as brothers and sisters in Christ, to be lifting one another up. Um, those names, each one there represents a particular situation. And even if you don't know the detail, we can still be lifting them up to the Lord. And I just want to encourage you to do that. So um, maybe you take your bulletin home and stick it somewhere you'll see it. That'll be a reminder for you, not only of what's going on in the church throughout the week, but, but to be praying for those individuals and those families who are in need. So let's go to the Lord together now and, and lift them up as well as other needs that are before us. Father God, we are so grateful for your word. Um, it is, it is a, a light unto our path, a lamp for our feet. Lord, we are so grateful that you've given us your word, which helps us to know you and understand you better. And of course, understand your will for our lives, which is to know and love and serve you. And we thank you that your word reminds us of the importance of prayer, that we can come to you in, in all circumstances, Lord. What we perceive as, as great needs, what we may perceive as, as, as small needs, Lord, you invite us to bring all things to you and to ask for your will to be done in those situations. And so that's what we do now in full confidence because of your word and because of the promise you make there. We come to you in full confidence that you hear us when we pray and that you hear and respond. Lord, you, you answer every single one of our prayers. Sometimes the answer is, is not yet, or sometimes the answer is even no, because you got something better in store for us. And so, Lord, we, we lift up these situations to you. We lift up our own families as well, and just pray that your will would be done in each of these circumstances. And, Lord, we trust, we believe, we have faith that your will is what's best for us. That even when we feel like we're not sure what direction you're leading us. Even when we're uncertain of what your will is in a particular situation, Lord, give us the faith. Give us the hope. Give us the peace, Lord, to trust you in all things. Your word says that your mercies are new each morning, that your faithfulness is great. And so, Lord, we trust and believe that that is true. And so, Lord, for those that are in need of healing this morning, we ask that your healing hand would be upon them, that you heal through, uh, Lord, we trust and believe that you heal through ordinary means such as doctors and, and, and modern medicine and, and uh, the medicine and procedures that, that are available. And we also trust and believe that you still heal in miraculous ways as well. And so for each person on the list and maybe even the, the concerns we carry in with us this morning, for those that are in need of healing, we ask, Lord, that they would be healed according to your will. Lord, for those that are in need, Lord, we know that there's, there's plenty of need here in this community, around this nation, in this world. Lord, those that are in need of their daily bread, we ask that you would provide it for them. And Lord, where we can be a, of assistance to people as a church or as individuals, Help us to do that. Lord, help us to be the answer to their prayers. Help us to be your hands and feet, helping those who are in need. Lord, we believe that you bless us so that we may be a blessing to others. Help us to live that out in our own lives. And Lord, we also ask for, for guidance and wisdom for those who are struggling. 
whether it's decisions that need to be made or just how to handle a particular relationship or situation, Lord, we ask for your spirit to guide guide those in, in those particular situations. Lord, your spirit is a spirit of wisdom, a spirit of peace, a spirit of, of comfort. And so we ask that your spirit would work in and through those situations to bring reconciliation, to bring healing, to bring uh, for, for wise decisions. We just ask all these things to be done according to your will. Lord, we also pray for those in authority over us as your word calls us to do. And so at this time, we pray for our national leadership. We pray for our president, the Congress, the Supreme Court, and other elected and appointed officials. May they make good and wise decisions that are in line with your word, Lord. And may they each as individuals have hunger and thirst after your righteousness. And may they be satisfied. Lord, we also pray for this church in this place. We thank you for... Uh, our Sunday school program, we, we think especially of, of the, the teachers, Lord, that, that teach our children and youth as well as our adults. We just thank you for people that set aside time to share your word and share your gospel with those who, who, who are eager and, and desire to hear it. And so we thank you for um, our Sunday school program, our Bible studies, confirmation class, and all those that are involved in making that happen and, and, and helping to make disciples uh, helping to make your disciples, Lord. We thank you for that. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And you may be seated. Our scripture reading today comes from Acts chapter 17. We're going to be reading verses 10 through 15. If you have your own Bible, I encourage you to open there and follow along or one of the pew Bibles that's provided for you. The words are also in your bulletin. Again, that's Acts chapter 17, beginning in verse 10. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. But when the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God in Berea, Some of them went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. The believers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. Those who escaped Paul brought, those who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left him with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join them as soon as possible. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray again. Father God, we are grateful for your word and we are grateful that we have an opportunity to hear it read and preached this morning. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would open our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you give me words to speak, words that are honoring and pleasing to you. May the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be honoring and pleasing to you. Be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. I don't know about you guys, but I'm always eager to receive gifts, right? I mean, it's, it's just exciting to receive something new. In particular... 
two of the things that I love to receive the most, and Allie will probably attest to this well to you, is are, are one of the things is books. I love books. I have a whole stack of books that I haven't read because I don't have time to read them because I always get new books to add to the stack there. Um, there's just love, you know, the Amazon package shows up on your door and you get to open it up and, and flip through the pages. It's just, it's, it, it's an exciting thing. And I always want to add to my collection, even though I, ha- I know I don't have time to catch up on the books that I already have. Um, and then also, this is maybe a little sillier, but I always love getting new devices. You know, you get a new phone or, or something and you get to peel the plastic off of the screen for the first time. There's just something satisfying about opening up a new device and being able to peel that plastic off and turn it on for the first time. Whatever your, whatever your favorite thing to receive is, you know, whenever that, that opportunity comes up, you're, you're eager. Yeah, there's an anticipation. There's an excitement to receive that once again. I saw a video some years ago of these Christians in, I believe it was China, but I might be mistaken on the It was very difficult to get God's word in their own language, right? And in a place like China, um, for, for a long time, it was, it was illegal to, to bring Bibles in, right? And to share Bibles with people. And so many times these missionaries had to smuggle Bibles into the country and, and they bring them in in these, in these crates and, and then they would distribute them to people who wanted a Bible of their own. And I saw this video of, of this crate being opened and people were so excited to receive God's word. They were literally like crawling over top of each other just so they could get one of their own. They'd open it up and they were like hugging, almost weeping uh, with joy and excitement to have received God's word, to have a copy of it for their own. I've heard of pastors in places like that that literally just had piecemeal Bibles. You know, they might have had the Gospel of John or, or um, you know, Genesis or the Book of Romans. They just had pieces of Scripture that, that they had acquired over the years, but that's all that they had. But what they had, they, they cherished, right? It was, it was a joy for them to receive God's Word. You know, the, and I couldn't help when I saw that video to think that the joy that they expressed, the joy that they felt receiving God's word, you know, put our indifference to shame. I mean, how, how often are we indifferent? If, I'm thinking of American Christians in particular. How indifferent are we to God's word at times? I read once that the average American home has seven Bibles in it. You know, most of them probably collecting dust on a bookshelf. If you have a smartphone, then you have unprecedented access to God's Word, not just in English, but in all sorts of languages. One of the most pi- popular Bible apps out there is simply just called the Bible app or version. It's known by both names. I have it on my phone. I use it all the time. I, I was just curious. I, I opened it up this week and flipped through the different English Bible translations. Anybody have a guess how many English Bible translations are freely available on that Bible app? Um, 67, I counted, unless I missed a couple. 67 different, and those are just the English translations, right? And those are just the ones that are freely available. I am sure there are more than that that, you know, you could pay for or purchase in a different way. We have unprecedented access to God's Word today, and yet so many of us take it for granted. We, we are indifferent to God's Word. See, that's the thing that struck me as I was reading through Acts 17, is, is how the people in Berea received God's word. They received the gospel message with eagerness, with excitement. And they didn't just receive it 
and then go about their way. They received it and then it spurred them on to examine the scriptures for themselves. And that's, that's a pretty unique response, even within the book of Acts, even within this chapter. Uh, as, as Tori mentioned in the children's chat, right, Paul would, would travel from city to city throughout the Mediterranean region sharing the gospel. Sometimes he would plant a church in a new city or sometimes he would return to a city he'd been in to encourage them and teach them some more. In some places he spent a few months, other places he even spent a few years. But as you read the story through, through the book of Acts, you notice that Luke, who's the author of Acts, um, kind of creates this pattern of, of what Paul would do when he goes into a city. And, and for the most part, he stays consistent to that pattern. Paul would go into a city, he'd go to a Jewish synagogue, he'd preach about Jesus. The people would either receive him or reject him, usually some sort of mixed response. And then after a period of time, Paul would often be forced out of the city for some reason, and then he would move on to the next. And we see that pattern repeated three times here in Acts chapter 17, first in Thessalonica, then in Berea, and then, and then finally in, in Athens. And what's interesting about this pattern is how it differs from one to the other. Sometimes you can know about, you can, you, can, you can see what's important, what the author is trying to highlight by what differences occur within that pattern. And so in Thessalonica, Paul's gospel message was met with opposition. Yes, there were some who believed, but, but it, there was a, a large group within Thessalonica that stirred up trouble for Paul. And that's why he had to, to leave in the middle of the night. In fact, the passage we read here in verse 10 picks up that story right in the middle. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away. They had to, let, they had to leave, Berea, excuse me, leave Thessalonica in the middle of the night in order to ensure their safety. The people of Athens, on the other side of the chapter, received the gospel message with, with curiosity. They heard Paul speaking about this resurrection, and they wanted to hear more about it. And so they invited him to, to share, and that's where you get this a uh, great message at the end of the chapter of Paul at Mars Hill speaking to the Greek philosophers and quoting even their own poets in the statue to an unknown God. And so in Thessalonica, Paul's message is met with opposition. In Athens, it's met with curiosity. And in Berea, it's met with eagerness. But it's important to note that even in the places it's met with opposition, there's some who still believed. God's word never returns to him void. That even in the most difficult circumstances Paul faced, the gospel message still had an impact. But what I want to focus on today is how the Berean church responded. And, and I titled today's message, An Eager Church, because Berea was eager to receive the gospel message. They were eager to receive what Paul had to say about Jesus. And, and they, received, they, they expressed that eagerness not only in their reception of the message, but also in the way they examined God's word. And so I want to look at both of those, both sides of that, their eagerness to receive God's word as well as their response in examining it. And so, and what we can learn from that as well. And so first we need to be eager to receive God's word. It says that they receive the message with eagerness. Again, that message is the same message that Paul had been preaching from city to city throughout the book of Acts. In fact, if you look back at what Paul spoke about in Thessalonica at the beginning of the chapter, you can see the message spelled out for us. Again, if you have your Bible with you, I encourage you to open to Acts chapter 17, because in verse, beginning of verse 2, we see what that message was. 
It says, this, as was his custom, Paul went to, into the synagogue. Again, this is in Thessalonica. And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. So there's the gospel message in a nutshell, that Jesus is the Messiah and that he had to, he had to suffer and die and rise again according to the scriptures. That's the message that Paul preached from city to city. And that's the message that we still believe to this day. It's important for us as believers to, to be able to clearly define the gospel message. Right? The gospel is that Jesus died for our sins and he rose again on the third day so that our sins could be forgiven and that we may receive eternal life by believing in his name. Right? We need to make sure we're clear on that as believers because there's a whole lot of confusion in the world about what the gospel is and how we can be saved. It's not about our good works. It's not about belonging to certain you know, political or social or economic parties. Right? It's not about doing certain things to check off a list. No, the gospel is that Jesus died and rose again and that we can be saved not because of ourselves, but because of him. That's the message that Paul preached, and that's the one we need to, we need to continue to preach and believe today. We need to clearly define the gospel so we don't fall for a counterfeit. And the gospel then, if that is truly the good news, which is what gospel means. Gospel means good news. If that is the good news, then it should be received with joy, right? That should be the, that should be the best news in the world. That should, that should make us excited to, to receive it and then also share it with us. In Luke chapter 2, as the angels are announcing the birth of Christ to the shepherds in the field, he says, they say this, they say, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. That's that gospel word. I bring you the gospel that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Right? News that will cause great joy for all people. That's the gospel. It should stir something up in us. If we're, if we're not moved by it, if we're indifferent to it, then we don't really understand the good news. Jesus was born, he lived, he died, and he lives again so that our sins can be forgiven. That is something to be excited for. The gospel is an announcement of what God has already done. I can't. Um, it's like, a, a, it's, 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 it's not, what's the right way to put this? The gospel is not a prescription that says you need to do this in order to be saved. The gospel is an announcement. It is, it is a proclamation that Jesus has already done what's necessary for your salvation. All you need to do is receive it through faith. Right? That's the good news. That's the, the, the gospel message. It's good news because the work has already been done. There's nothing you can add to or take away from Christ's work on the cross. It is, it is finished. It is accomplished by Christ. And so we should receive the message with joy, with eagerness. And so why aren't we eager? Right? Why don't we have that joy that fills our hearts all the time? I don't know about you, but sometimes I fall into a rut where I'm just going through the motions. I know I should be joyful. I know I should be eager to read God's word or to, to worship him. But sometimes I just go through the motions. And I'm sure I'm not the only one in this room that feels that way. 
And so the question is, how can we cultivate eagerness in our lives? Well, I think there's a few things that we can do to help that. One is simply to adore the Lord, to just be amazed by his, his glory, his majesty, his holiness, his beauty. Be amazed at who he is and what he's done for us. I think the reason we're not eager for the gospel, we're not eager to worship, is because we haven't truly grasped just how wonderful and magnificent God is. The song we sang earlier, 10,000 Reasons, that last verse struck a chord with me this morning, right? You know, um, oh, where's my bulletin so I, can, I don't misquote the lyrics for us. That last verse, And on that day when my strength is failing, the end draws near and my time has come, Still my soul will sing your praise unending 10,000 years and then forevermore. And think about that for just a second. If, that, if you're not eager to do that, like if, if, if heaven sounds boring to you, if you, if you think 10,000 years is way too long to be singing about God's glory and his grace, then you haven't truly understood the gospel. Because if we could, if we could even just get a glimpse of it, if we could just wrap our minds around it to the slightest, then 10,000 years wouldn't be enough. It would just be a drop in the bucket because we would never fully be able to express our gratitude and our thanks and our worship to God because he truly deserves everything for what he's done for us. And so we need to, we need to find ways to simply adore the Lord, take time to just be to be captured by his beauty and his glory. And the second thing we can do to cultivate our eagerness is to simply be with him, right? Spend time with him every day in word and prayer. Like any human relationship, our relationship with the Lord develops and matures and grows the more we spend time with him, right? Think about your spouse or your children, right? Your, your relationship is going to suffer, right? If you don't spend time together, if you're not intentional about the time that you have with them, the same is true with the Lord. The more time we set aside to be with him, the more time we spend in his word or in prayer, the more our hearts are going to be attuned to him. We need to be with him, but we also need to be with his church, right? The church is the bride of Christ. That's what scripture says. And, and we can't say that we love God, but hate his church. Right? And so we need to make sure that we are not just spending time with God on our own time, but we're also making time to be with the bride of Christ, the church. Whether that's worship on Sunday mornings, that's, that's what we do throughout the week, whether that's informal friendships or, or, or Bible studies that you can join. But, but we need to make sure that we are, we are not just staying connected with him, but we're staying connected with his church because that will help us to remain eager, to stay excited for God's word. See, that's what the power of testimony can do. Right? When, you, when you hear what, what God is doing in someone else's life, when you hear about the way that, that he's been working for them, it encourages you and inspires you to want that for yourself, right? You know, last November we had a, um, one of our praise and prayer nights focused on testimonies, and we had a few individuals share what God had been doing in their life. And that was powerful, Right, because we heard from people about what God had been doing in their life. And, and I was encouraged by that because I wanted, to, I, wanted to, I wanted something like that in my own life too. I wanted God to be working in my life the way that he had been working in theirs. 
And so that made me eager to spend more time with the Lord. And the last thing before we move on, we want to we want to adore the Lord. We want to be with him and his church. And the last thing that can help cultivate our eagerness is simply to be like him. To try to shape our lives, our perspectives, our thinking, our actions around Christ to emulate his character and his conduct. The more we're, I believe, the more we're able to emulate Christ in our lives, the more we will want, the more we're able to do that, the more eager we will be to continue down that path. It's like John the Baptist when he said, I must decrease and he must increase. We should, we want that same prayer for our own lives to see more of Christ shining through us. See, eagerness is a matter of the heart. It's it's a matter of our affections or our feelings. Now, and and we need to be careful how we how we talk about that, right? Because our emotions are great passengers, but they're terrible drivers, right? Our emotions can change from day to day; they can be fickle. And so, if we base our faith, if we base our perspective of God on our emotions, that can change from day to day. But also, we can't ignore our emotions because they are a part of how God created us. And so if we want our heart to be captured by God, we need to understand the role that, that our heart, that our feelings, that our emotions play in our relationship with God. And that I believe that it's, it's intentional actions that foster the positive affections in our lives. In other words, let me, let me put it this way. It's if, if you're just going through the motions, like I was talking about earlier, if you're not feeling excited about the gospel, you can't just wait around until that feeling comes back to start reading your Bible, right? Don't wait to read your Bible. Don't wait to pray. Don't wait to attend church until you feel like it because it may never happen. But if you choose to do those things, if you're intentional about them, even when you don't feel like it, you'll find that your affections will follow suit. You'll find that you will get that eagerness. You'll, you'll be kindling that eagerness and that excitement in your heart as you choose to do those things. Eagerness is a matter of our heart, but our actions can help foster those positive affections and positive feelings for the Lord. And so the first thing that the Berean church did is they, they received the gospel message with eagerness, but they didn't just stop there. And this is so important. They, they, they heard Paul's message. They heard him preach about this Jesus business. They examined the scriptures for themselves so that they too could understand and trust in Christ as Savior and Lord. Following Jesus is more than just a matter of the heart. It involves our heads as well. I mentioned that Paul preached the gospel message and that they examined it with eagerness to know that it was true. The gospel message, again, can be summed up like this, and this is quoting from Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 3-4. And speaking to the church in Corinth, he said, What I received I pass on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Notice that phrase that's repeated there, according to the Scriptures. What did Paul do in Thessalonica in the beginning of chapter 17? He, He reasoned with them from the Scriptures. What did the Berean church do when they heard the message of the Gospel? They went to the Scriptures to verify that what they heard was true. Of course, the scriptures in this case was not the New Testament as we have it. There weren't, you know, they didn't, they didn't have the New Testament in the way that we do now, but they had what we would refer to as the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible or the Septuagint. 
And it was in those scriptures, in the Old Testament, that the foundation is laid for understanding who Jesus was, what he did. Right? His, the, the Old Testament foreshadows the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, because Jesus is the culmination of God's salvation history. What God had been doing since the earliest words of Scripture, from those beginning pages in Genesis, God was working towards saving his people, and that salvation was always going to culminate in the person and the work of Christ. Ephesians 1 says that, that God chose us in Christ before the foundations of the world, Even before sin entered the picture, God knew that we would need a Savior. And Jesus is that Savior that we need. So so even in the Old Testament, we see the salvation. We see the, 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 the message of Christ being laid out for us. And so it was scriptures that they went to to help understand the gospel message. If you want to think about it, essentially what they were doing was they were fact-checking him, them in real time, right? And that's so important for us to do. In today's world, we need to be able to fact-check what we hear from the pulpit, from social media, from our friends and family, right? We need to be able to, to not just take people's word for it, but be able to go to the source, go to scriptures for ourselves so that we can know and understand it in a real way. You can't always believe someone when they say the Bible says. Here's a, here's a few examples for you. Uh, common, common phrases. A penny saved is a penny earned. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of care. And this is a good one. Uh, fish and visitors both stink after three days. Right? Now, now, those words of wisdom may sound biblical, right? But they're not. All three of those are actually quotes of Benjamin Franklin from Poor Richard's Almanac, written in the 1700s. Or here's one that I often hear associated with Scripture. Give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. Teach a man to fish, he'll eat for a lifetime. It's pretty solid advice, right? Words of wisdom. Not biblical, unfortunately. That's from the Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu, the founder of Taoism, a Chinese philosophy or religion. So we can't just take people's words for it. Things that may sound biblical or, so, or even have a ring of truth to them aren't necessarily from Scripture. And so we need to make sure that we know God's word for ourselves. We examine Scripture for ourselves so that we don't fall victim to, to misinformed statements or beliefs. That's why I think it's so important for us to bring our Bibles to church and, and, and be able to follow along, right? When I... When I quoted 1 Corinthians 15 a few moments ago, I hope somebody here opened their Bible and flipped over there to make sure that what I read was actually from 1 Corinthians 15, right? I can stand up here and say all day long, this is this, and, and this quote is from the book of Exodus. But, if, but you need to make sure, you know, don't just take my word for it. I'm not going to intentionally mislead you, but don't just take my word for it. Look it up for yourself. Examine the scriptures. Read what it says so that you don't just take my word for it, but you back it up by reading it for yourself. Again, that's the precedent that's set for us in Scripture. Jesus and the disciples, uh, on, on, the, on that first Easter Sunday, when Jesus met the disciples on the Emmaus Road and then later met with them in the upper room, when he was explaining in Luke 24 what had happened, it was this, he went to the Scriptures, 
to explain everything that had happened. When Philip met with the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8, the eunuch was reading from the prophet Isaiah, and Philip said, beginning with that passage, he then explained about the gospel of Christ. And then, of course, Paul and the Thessalonians at the beginning of Acts chapter 17, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. That's the precedent that's set before us, is that we, we go to the scriptures, we, we follow along with what it says, we trust what it says so that we can know that for ourselves. We don't just take people's word for it. God gave us a mind and we should use it to know and glorify him. This is important because as I've already alluded to, right, there's a lot of misinformation in the world today, whether it matters of faith and otherwise. But when it comes to faith, there's a secular world out there outside the church that is increasingly anti-Christian in its beliefs and its philosophies and the way that it says that we should live our lives. And there's even false teaching within the church that increasingly distorts the gospel. And so we need to make sure that what we believe and what we teach is true and is the gospel. For example, and this is not a new phenomenon, right? This is something that has been happening from the earliest days of the church. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, Paul says this, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, And in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Again, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They'll turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you... Keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of the evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. I love that phrase. They will surround themselves with people who will tell them what their itching ears want to hear, right? I mean, that, that sums up social media to a T, doesn't it? I mean, we just, we follow people, we, we are in our own little echo chambers, and we just reinforce what we believe. We just want to surround ourselves with people that will tell our itching ears what we want to hear. That's why it's so important to to receive the gospel with eagerness, but also to examine the scriptures for ourselves so that we don't fall for false teaching. We don't fall for the direction that the world is going, but we stay grounded in scripture and grounded in a relationship with Christ. So in closing, I just want to remind you how you can examine the scriptures for yourselves. It involves both our head and our heart. First and last, it needs to begin with prayer. Right? As we study the scriptures for ourselves, we need to make sure that our, our heart and our mind is in the right place. Right? We need to make sure we're not just using our own reason because God gave us our minds, but, but our mind can be fallible. It's affected by sin in the world, and so we need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us rightly understand and apply God's word. So whenever we pick up this Bible... Right? Whenever we read scripture, we want to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to, to illuminate our, our minds and our hearts rightly to our lives. It needs to begin and end with that prayer. But then there's three steps we can take uh, that, that will help us understand God's word better for ourselves. We need to read, we need to reflect, and we need to respond to God's word. When we read God's word, we, we ask what's happening in this passage. We can read a section from the Gospels and look at a, a story of, of what Jesus did. Uh, but we, and so we want to read through it and, and just jot down 
right? Ideas that are, that are taking place and, and events that are happening. All right, look up unfamiliar words and, and try, to, try to understand kind of the main point of the passage, right? We just read through it and say, all right, this is what's going on in the passage. But when we read through it, we don't want to just stop at those kind of surface level questions and understandings. We also want to reflect on the passage. So we read and then we reflect. And when we do that, we ask, what does this passage mean? That's an, important, that's an important step to take, not just thinking about what Jesus did or what Paul was teaching or what Moses did in the Old Testament, but asking, what does this passage teach us about God? And one of the best tools that you can have at your disposal for that are the study Bible notes in, in a Bible. Many of you, I know, have study Bibles. You've got Scripture on top. You've got the study notes on the bottom. And that is a valuable resource to help you understand what those passages mean and what it teaches you about God. And finally, after reading and reflecting, you want to respond. Don't just leave it there, but ask, what does this passage mean for me? How can I apply this passage and the truth that I just read to my life? Right? We don't want to be like, like James says in, in James chapter 1. We don't want to be like that person who looks in the mirror and goes away unchanged and forgets what they look like. But when we read God's word, it shows us who we are. It shows us who we're called to be in Christ. And we don't want to go away unchanged. We need to respond to what God is doing in us. And again, we close with prayer, asking the Holy Spirit to help you remember and apply what you read to your life. That's how you cultivate eagerness. That's how you examine the scriptures. And I believe that's what God is calling us to do as individuals and as a church. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for your word. And I thank you that you, and I just pray, Lord, that you would give us an eagerness. Give us a desire to know you and give us a desire to know your word. Because, Lord, that's the way you've chosen to reveal yourself and that's the way you've made yourself known. And so I ask, Lord, that you would give us that eagerness, that desire to know you. And, Lord, give us a desire to examine your word for ourselves. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So we close our service today. I invite you to stand with us. As we sing number 275, How Firm a Foundation.
Now the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. You may go in peace. Thank you.